All right, here we go. Let me record this. All right, welcome to episode 29 of the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. This is Jim Lindroth and special guest, uh, former NHLer Dave Capiano. Dave, how you doing? Good, Jim. How are you tonight? Doing well. So we have Andrew not with us again. He's uh, actually uh, doing a recording for, uh, he's a drummer and he's doing a recording project with a group this evening. So it'll just be Dave and I. We're glad to have Dave join us again. So Dave, before we get into the Bruins last four games with the Islanders, uh, I want to say shout out to congratulations to Team USA winning the bronze with a 6-1 win over Germany. And of course, your brother is a coach of that team. Yeah, I know. What a great accomplishment by, you know, the whole group. Um, obviously, I'm a little biased with my brother there, and I know uh, he did a tremendous job with, um, you know, a lot of guys that, you know, probably a lot of guys that didn't want to go over, but a lot of guys obviously that went, they were committed, they went. And, um, you know, what a great showing by that group of, group of guys. I, you know, I have corresponded with my brother, via text. I know it was a very difficult tournament for all of them regarding being in a bubble. And, um, you know, what a great commitment by all those hockey players, not by just the U S but by every team that went over there and, um, you know, congrats. And, you know, I just, uh, I hope it puts them on a national stage again, hopefully to get a, a head coaching job in the national hockey league where I think he belongs. What some of the challenges he talked about of being in a bubble in a, in a foreign country. I mean, we're, it's Latvia, right? Yeah, I mean, oh, I, Dave, you must not have heard me. Dave, can you hear me all right? Yeah, I, I can hear you. Okay. What were some of the challenges your brother talked about of playing in, over in Latvia? Well, the, the, I think the challenges were no different than what he was in Ottawa the whole year is basically being in a bubble meeting. You know, you're at the rink, you're with the same group of kid, people, and then you're home. For him, he's home. And I think it was the same there. You lived with those 25 guys at the hotel, and that's all you were able to see. Yeah, that's got to be tough. Got to be tough. All right. So you ready to talk some Bruins Islanders? I am. I am. Sure. So I don't want to jump right into last night's 4-1. Should have been really 2-1 loss. Let's talk a little bit about the last four games. What were some of the things the Bruins were doing that were good and then some things that they started to fall apart with? Well, like I said, when we first talked, you know, I expect this to kind of be an epic battle. And I think it has become that. I think the Bruins have played great every single game. And I think the Islanders, the last two games have kind of picked up where they want to play. And I also think that, um, you know, puck luck has a lot to do with it. And, you know, I think the Bruins didn't have it last night in the fall one loss, obviously, you know, Pasternak misses a complete open net last night. So those are the things that can change a series, change a game. I think the two teams are very close. I do think the Bruins have more skill, but I think the physical play of the Islanders is starting to come in, in touch with the series. 
And I think Marshawn got a little dinged up last night. I think obviously they, they lost Carlo. And I think that um, Grizzlick is a little bit banged up now. So I think injuries going forward are going to be a key part in this series, especially on the defensive side of the game. And McAvoy's playing, you know, 25 minutes a night. It, it wears you down. Yeah, it does. And let's talk about Carlo being out. So Carlo's out, Tenorti's in. I thought the Bruins are going to need Carlo back, correct? Yeah, I mean, going in the series, I was kind of hoping that Miller would be healthy again. And we haven't really got much of an update on Miller. So, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on those guys. And I, I just, I don't, I don't see Carlo being back. I mean, I, I got to believe that that's got to be seven, seven to 10 days with that concussion that he had. So I think the Bruins will do the right thing and, and kind of let him heal. And, you know, they mentioned it last night that the Bruins are down to six defensemen, at least who they're playing. They, they did mention that four are left-handed shots and two are right-handed shots uh, to a hockey novice here. Uh, is that a big deal? Can you hear me, Jim? It's, it's, um, it is a big deal because coming out of your own end, right? I mean, that's you're coming out on your backhand versus coming out of your forehand, which is one of the main things of trying to get the puck up out of your own end quick. And if you're coming out on your backhand instead of your forehand, it makes a huge difference in your own end. And obviously in the offensive zone, you'd rather be receiving that puck on your, on your, on your forehand than your backhand. So it does make a huge difference. And, you know, overall, I think, you know, and, and, you know, I think the Islanders are a clean team. I think they're a clean bunch. I think they play hard. And obviously, you know, I think a lot of people didn't talk about coming into the series was Barzell and, and the emergence of Barzell. I, you know, I'm a huge fan of his. I've been a huge fan of his since, the, you know, the Bruins had to think the 12th, 13th, 14th draft picks in that draft and they didn't take them. Um, so I, you know, I look back to then when, when yeah. the Islanders took them then I, you know, and, and knowing Garth Snow, like I do, you know, I just thought that was such a great pick for them. And I knew going forward, I guess a lot of people didn't, you know, they, you know, a lot of people missed him, but from, from, in my, so I had seen him play and, and I thought he was, um, I thought he was a steal of the draft that year. Andrew and I talk about that draft because it's sort of come back to haunt Sweeney a little bit. And obviously in this series, um, could you, could you come up with any reason why Sweeney would have picked, uh, uh, you know, DeBrusque and is it cynic sense? I think that I, I'm not sure. I know it was DeBrusque and, and I'm not sure if it was, um, who the other two were, but I know DeBrus was one of them. And I don't know if, if, um, was Studnicker one of them or no, I don't know if he was, um, he, he, he might have been the second one. Yeah. Yeah. So again, the, the, the kids are young kids. I mean, it's, um, you know, you're trying to pick 18 year olds, what, see what they're going to be like at 23, 24. That's a tough game, but I just felt like Barzell, skating which i feel it's a skating league for me and, and if i was in that position i i would have taken a shot on him having those three picks there you know let's talk a little bit about the goaltending it seems the goaltending has been very superb on both 
teams here for all least the last three games i know that the islanders started their backup in game good yeah valamov obviously been great the last two nights rask has been super um and and the big thing that i feel like both of them do is make timely saves and that's the key to winning in the playoffs so you know i i think that's why i said from the beginning i thought this series would go seven games because i knew the islanders would be really tough at Nassau Coliseum. Obviously, last night, I, I feel like the Bruins needed to win that game last night because, you know, they want to try to get, you know, get the series done with the next game and, and, and maybe have some time to get healthy. But if you go into a seven-game series with the Islanders and Tampa Bay's resting, I don't think that bodes well for the next series. So it's just my opinion, but I, I kind of feel the Islanders have kind of figured out Boston last night. Boston has had trouble the last, well, really all of the Cassidy years of kind of being soft in the playoffs. And when they play teams that hit, 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 force turnovers, the Bruins struggle. Well, I, I guess I'm not sure if it's just Cassidy, but I'm sure, you know, when you run into these teams like this, it's hard to play against them. And I think Washington was that way, but the first two lines for Washington weren't going. So I think that made a big difference. Now you got an Islanders team, like I talked about before, with this, you know, so-called fourth line, every single night shows up. So... You know, and I did say in that first podcast that the Bruins fourth line needed to pick it up. And I, I just haven't, you know, you see a glimpse of them, but I just, I just feel like that Islander fourth line has outplayed, you know, the third and fourth line for the uh, Bruins. So, you know, but I, I am again, impressed with the hall line. I think the hall line has been really good. Krejci has been really good. I think they had like, you know, 16 shots on goal, uh, Krejci had and, and Hall had like 15 or something the first three or four games. So that line has showed up. But again, you know, it, it comes down to that defensive zone and, and not spending a lot of time in it. So, you know, what's going to happen going forward? Who's, you know, we talked about injuries and that's what's going to be. I think the Bruins will win this series. But if they if they keep losing guys, I think that that the Islanders, you know, it's going to be a game seven and I, and who knows what happens in the game seven. I might be biased here, but it seems that the Bruins are struggling to clear the puck out of their defensive zone. It almost seems that they want to trap the puck, think, and make a smart play, but the Islanders seem to jump all over them, hit them, they turn over too many shots on Rass that just shouldn't be. Well, in me disagreeing with you, I would say the first three games, which I thought the Bruins were fantastic at breaking the puck out, is now wearing on the Bruins' minds. And the defensemen are saying, I don't want this puck. And that's causing them to rush. And we, you did you know, talk about how they're on their off, offhand, you know, four left righties, two lefties. When they're coming around on their offside – now they're thinking too, you know, I don't want to get hit. They're throwing pucks away. They're making bad plays. 
even McAvoy last night had a couple turnovers. So I, you know, and they've been hot on McAvoy too. So, you know, I think it, it time and space gets taken away and they, that one extra second that they would, you know, first two games that they didn't feel the pressure, um, especially in Nassau Coliseum, you're going to feel the pressure more. So I think the Bruins will get back at it at home. I think you'll see, you won't see the puck turned over as much. But again, you need a healthy Boston's defense. And, and Grizzly doesn't look healthy to me last night. I know he went off with, it looked like a groin or something. And if you lose him, you know, or he's even 80%, 70%, it, it causes a problem. So what do the Bruins have to do here, especially on the defensive court in practice to uh, kind of compensate with, like you said, if they get, if they get stuck with an offhand uh, pass in the corner, how are they going to kind of, and protect themselves from injury too, how are they going to be able to be effective again like they were in the first three games? Well, I think being at home is a huge advantage. I mean, at, at home, you're not rushing, you're not, you're not hearing the crowd, you're not, you know, at Nassau Coliseum, you can't hear yourself think right now in that building. I've been in it when it's in the, in the playoffs. I've, I've seen how loud it is. And uh, it's a huge advantage for the Islanders. The game before the third game, when, when Boston scored early, it took the crowd out of the game for a while. So, um, you know, when, when they tied the game up one, one last night, I just had that feeling that, as you know, when Boston didn't score on their power plays that the Islanders were going to get a late one and, and they did, but I think, I think Boston just needs to go back to doing what they were doing. But again, all those guys have played Grizzly, you know, McAvoy, um, all their defense have, have played all year and they know, they know what they have to do. Um, but is it, you know, they, they'll make adjustments and I think the adjustments will, will help whether it's the forwards coming back, whether they're playing tighter, whether they, you know, make sure they're holding up, which they're not supposed to hold up guys in the NHL anymore. Um, that kind of went out years ago where they made change that rule. And it drives me crazy because now they, you dump pucks in and you can still literally interfere with people again, which I think takes a lot out of the game. It takes a lot of chances out of the game. Um, when we played, I mean, you, you, you could really hold someone up all the way from the blue line to almost the corner, but they, yeah. they did away with that rule. And, and, and now they're back at it. So, you know, those are the, 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 the offensive plays will come back and help more. And they'll, I'm sure they'll discuss that. Marchant and Bergeron seem to just be on fire. I mean, Marchant with all his smart plays, Bergeron too. Um, Pasternak, you said missed that open net seemed like he just thought it was a one-timer and you know maybe he should have waited and looked I mean I'm I'm not gonna be a coach on the couch here with that but uh, Bergeron and Marchant seem to be doing all the right plays and looking really good for Boston yeah and I you know I truly believe that whole line you know Pasternak don't forget I mean he you know well, they have 40 goals, 50. I mean, he's the guys are in one of their top players, if not their top player, when it comes to what he does all around, I mean, Masha and Bergeron, you know, they're like a dynamic duo. I mean, between penalty kill, the power play five on five, they're always a threat and they're always a threat on the, on the PK too. And, and teams know that. So, um, you know, those two guys are just great players. I, I got to believe, you know, questionably hall of fame players and, 
you know, they just keep plugging along, doing their thing. And, you know, Bergeron's such a they're, they're different players. Bergeron's such a smart player. And I think Marchand's just so quick and gets out of places and, and anticipates so well. And, and I think that's why Pasternak fits on that line so well. But overall, I mean, they've played great. I'm sure they're going to continue to play great. I, I hope Marchand's not hurt because that would be, a, you know, I don't think he played the last 10 minutes of the game last night. And they said something like, you know, just being precautionary, but in a one, 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 nothing game, you're not going to be precautionary with somebody. So I, I, I feel like there's, there's maybe more to it than him, not than them being precautionary last night. So Bergeron seems to frustrate the Islanders on the face stop. Uh, he wins what, like 80, 90% of them. And I watched the Islanders try different, I guess, techniques to try and win the face-offs, face-offs. Yeah, it's a huge part of the game, right? I mean, winning face-offs is huge. Defensive zone on a PK, offensive zone on a power play. I did notice, I thought Brock Nelson was better last night. I thought he won three or four that I seen in a row in big spots. Um, and, but overall, I mean, Bergeron's, you know, he's probably the best, one of the top in the top three face-off guys in the league. And again, that's another, you know, another thing he does so well. And in the playoffs, it's even, it's, it's, it comes out even more in the playoffs when you have to win those face-offs. So it, it seems to me and David, my question to you is if I'm right or wrong here, both teams seem to be clogging up that neutral zone, playing that zone defense, and they do it really well. It's enjoyable to see two teams that uh, have that same zone style, but it seems to be working for both teams. They kind of struggle to uh, enter the, the uh, offensive zone. Yeah, it's a team game, right? I mean, that's a, that's a five-man unit on each side. You, you know, the defense, we discussed this too um, before. The defense, you want the defense holding the line. You want them chipping the puck in. You don't want them give. You don't want to give time and space up to, you know, Bergeron, Marchant, and Pasternak, and just as well as you don't want to give it up to, you know, Bailey, Barzell on the other side. So, you know, that's a big part of the game. The, the back pressure from the wings have a lot to do with that, and the sentiment, obviously, they – they, they talk about back pressure today that they're making guys chip the puck in. So, but both teams have done a great job. And, and like I said before, I mean, it's a North South game for both teams and you do see the momentum turn Jim, when you see teams starting to turn the puck over in the minute, especially for the Islanders, I had said this in, in talking to uh, Yanni and channel 12 the other night here locally that, you don't want to give the Islanders, you want to give, make them go 200 feet. And I think that Boston can play a different style, but if you turn the puck over, you're only helping the Islanders because they're going to have a tougher time going 200 feet. And I think Boston can play both ways if you, if you want them to. So obviously you got to, you don't want to turn the puck over and, and at the blue lines and, and try to make fancy plays in the, in the neutral zone. And I think both teams are pretty good at it and they, and they both want to play north and south. So if you're Cassidy, I mean, you do have some options to try to get that third and fourth line uh, motivated. You could, you know, change up the lines. You could bring in Frederick. You know, you could make some changes. But do the Bruins really need to make 
many changes. They seem to be doing just fine, but third and fourth line is a problem. Yeah, I mean, I you know what? I don't know enough about, you know, a Frederick or, you know, whoever else they have there. I don't know if Studnik is still skating with them. I think he is. Um, but it's the playoffs, right, in the second round, and these guys have been sitting for a long time. So I'm sure a guy like Frederick might be able to step in, but, you know, you, you want a guy like that early in his career to make a mistake or not be ready. I, I think it's more so – I think they could step in and do the job, but they're early in their career. They might not, they might just kind of be letting them go through the process of seeing how everything works, but it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if a guy like Frederick does come in based on the physicality of the series. Yeah. The Bruins seem to be a little uh, back on their heels. And like we talked about uh, uh, just being forced turnovers by the physicality of the Islanders. And, uh, you know, the, I'm not sure how the Bruins are going to compensate for that. Maybe not be so quick to turn over the puck. What do they do in the locker room between periods, Dave? You know, take us inside when there's a little bit of frustration, a little bit of uh, momentum shift going to the opposite team. What's going on in that locker room? Who's talking and what are they saying? Well, I mean, Boston's such a veteran group. I mean, between Krejci, Bergeron, Marchand, even Pasternak. I mean, you got so many veterans in that group. Uh, McAvoy now spending the time he did with Jara there. I don't think there's any panic in, ever in that locker room. I think that, that there's such a veteran group, and, and I think Cassidy knows that. I think they're more so talking about not taking, you know, the little things that we've talked about. And I think the players would probably do the same thing. You know, not taking penalties, being disciplined, um, getting pucks deep, not turning pucks over. Uh, you know, those are the type of things that I think that players will be talking about just the same way as as we're talking about here. And and they know, you know, Bergeron and Marshall, they know how to win hockey games. They know they know how to win playoff games. So, you know, I think those are the type of things that those guys are probably talking about. So, Dave, uh, taking this to a, a novice level and asking a pro here, and this is for our listeners who, um, you know, might just follow hockey a little bit but not really get too involved in the game. We always hear commentators talk about playoff experience and how important playoff experience is. What is it about the experience that is so valuable to these players? Well, I think the biggest thing is intensity, right? The intensity of the playoffs is like a, is like a whole different notch, Jim. So I think what happens is you, you have to learn how that intensity is. And when you do, I think it, it obviously makes you a better player, but it's so hard to get, not to get caught up as a, as a rookie or as a second year guy, or, you know, you want, you don't, you, you know, you start thinking about the situation versus playing and, you know, somebody comes along and two hands in the back of the legs during the regular season. And you, you know, you have no problem, you know, two handing them back. Well, that stuff goes on all the time. I mean, I, you know, I've seen Brock Nelson probably two or three times on semi late hits, not hard hits to McAvoy. And I'm sure it's getting under McAvoy's skin. And I think those are the type of things that they talk about as being experienced in the playoffs for these guys. 
So, um, and obviously a dumb question, but I'll ask it. So it's just remaining disciplined uh, in those times not to retaliate. Yeah, I mean, that's a big one, but also, you know, time of the game, time, the score of the game, you know, someone's like a, a Matt Martin's, you know, been a long, a, a long time, right? So he's, he's smart enough to know Palmieri, you know, they got some experience over there too. Neither, um, um, you know, they have experience over there too. And they, they, they're not stupid and trying to, you know, draw penalties late in the game. They know it's one, one, they know a power play would be huge or they're down to one and they try to suck somebody in to, to get in a power play. And I think that's where the experience comes out. Dave, when you're sitting on the bench and you're waiting for your, your line to go on um, and you're in a playoff game, the intensity level is extreme. What goes through your head? Are, are you, are you physically sort of uh, shuffling the feet, getting the arms moving, keeping a heart rate going the best you can, or is it just remaining focused in the game? Is it a switch as soon as you uh, jump over the boards uh, you know, take us through, uh, you know, your mind when you're sitting on the bench waiting to go. I mean, you're going from zero to a hundred in two seconds. Yeah. I don't think there's much thinking going on there. I mean, a lot different today in today's game, we talked about the, you know, technology they have, you know, handing, um, iPads down the end, you know, down the bench, you know, looking at a shift, maybe looking at a mistake. So your mind's always in it. I mean, when, when I played, you know, you're coming off, you, you, you know, probably getting a, a drink of Gatorade or a drink of water and you're intensely watching the game and, and you're, you know, getting ready for your next shift and whether maybe you might be looking at, you know, what the matchup is of your next shift and who you're out there against. Talk a little bit about the frustration here, you know, crazy. Cheech getting, I think he was cross-checked four or five times by uh, Brassal until he finally, you know, speared the guy right, right in the nuts and, uh, and took a, a bad penalty, but it just seemed like enough is enough. Are the refs letting them play too much? You, you kind of cut out there at the end on me, Jim, but I get the gist of the, of the, of the question. And it's a tough question for me because in my era, you know, basically we had sticks broken over our backs and, you know, standing in front of nets, the net, and, and it was never called. And if you watch a game today and you, you go stand in front of the net, that forward's getting cross-checked four or five times, probably worse than what Krejci was getting cross-checked. So I kind of have a, like, I, I kind of, you know, I think that Barzell was edging them on. That's one of the disciplined things I was just talking about. Barzell knows his limits. He he's seen it the whole night. It happened four or five times and it was never called. So Barzell was doing what he should be doing. And it ended up being a, you know, a power play for them and, and putting them in advantage. So, you know, I, you know, I, and later in the game or a couple shifts later, you saw Marchant hit Barzell from behind, which was a lot worse than what Barzell was doing to Krejci. I mean, he was standing still pushing him, and, you know, the ref had kind of, I think Marshan got away with one because the ref had turned his head because two guys fell at his feet and Marshan got away with hitting Barzell from behind. Um, so, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where this cross checks going on that happens every play, every night. I don't think it was a penalty on Barzell. I think that 
the refs made the right call. It was a two minute penalty and, and you know, the, the game went on, but Bizell did a nice job in enticing them. The refs are always, you know, the bad guy. And, you know, no matter what, somebody's upset with the refs. Do you think the refs are, are under more scrutiny from the league? It appears that they, um, you know, are, are tightly called. It's almost like they're afraid to call certain calls or they're told to, you know, let certain things go. Um, what, what happens when, when you're a ref? It, it seems like it, they're in a tough spot. Well, it's the same thing we talked about with the players. It's experience too, right? I mean, they've probably been in that situation, you know, a million times. So as their experience gets better, their, their game knowledge gets better. The feel of their game gets better. You know, it's a one, one game with five minutes to go in the game. That ref's not going to make a marginal call. Like it's got to be a penalty. And that's what I'm talking about. Even guys coming in and chipping pucks in. If you really watch that, it can change the whole game. If they, if they would let guys chip pucks in and go get the puck versus skating around the guy for four feet, it's going to create a lot more offense in the NHL, which would make it the better game in my opinion. But I think the refs do a tremendous job that it's, it's such a hard job. Uh, obviously all the plays, you know, we hate the refs when we're playing or even, you know, watching the game, we'll all kind of bitch at a ref, but it's a tough job and it's a fast game. No, it, it is a fast game. And I often wonder since they've gone to the two referees a few years ago, or whenever they did, um, you know, those two head refs, I wonder if they kind of talk about how much they're going to let, you know, the boys play at least in the first period or when they're going to clamp down on things. I remember the days when you're playing, you know, the Kerry Frazier's um, and the, and the um, uh, what, Stewart, right? Uh, were some of the refs and they used to just decide, Hey, I'm not going to put up with anything tonight, or I'm going to let you play. And then all of a sudden the hammer comes down. Well, I, you know, I don't think you really get much of a hammer these days. Cause I don't think the games really get out of control. I mean, you have two fights in a game now and it's like, you know, people think it's like a boxing match where, you know, hockey's policed by that. And, you know, Bizell did have that, you know, his, he did get his stick up on that one hit last night where I think it kind of was a reaction in a way, like, you know, and I've been there before where the guy's coming and you just kind of want to react and put your, your gloves up or whatever. Um, and I think that kind of got under the Boston skin a little bit when that happened, but the, you know, the refs normally in the playoffs, the refs are going to let guys play and they're going to let, you know, teams play. And, if it gets chippy or if it gets dirty or if something happens, normally the refs today, they just, you know, they're going to give you 10. They're going to put you in the box. Uh, we'll leave Boston for a minute only because we need to talk about Toronto. The Toronto's just has, they're, they're like the old Boston Red Sox with the curse of the Bambino. Hmm. What's going on with Toronto? Well, I think they made strides this year, obviously. And I, I think, again, you know, they don't they they weren't solid in net. They're not solid on the back end. And they lost, you know, John Tavares after two games. So, you know, I think, again, we go back to injuries. If if Marchant and Grizzlick are out the last, you know, the last three games of this series, you know, there's going to be a reason why Boston probably doesn't win. So. You know, I think Toronto made good strides. I think, you know, 
obviously people hop on them for, for being that long, not making the playoffs, but I got to believe that one or two changes, maybe even in goal 10 next year. And I think Toronto can make a run, you know, maybe get to the second, third round, but you know, hockey's a tough game. I mean, you know, did anybody expect Montreal to do what they're doing? So, you know, it's, you know, it's, I mean, granted, I'm not a big Canada fan, so I like to see Toronto and Montreal and all these teams not make it. So, um, but I, you know, I think Toronto, I think, you know, I'm a big JT fan. I think Tavares is a, you know, I think he's a, a good player. I think he's borderline great player, but, you know, he's just a hard work and determined kid. And I know even when my brother had him in, in, in New York, he's, he's an outstanding citizen and he's a great kid. And I think losing him, not just on the ice, but off the ice hurt that team. And no, I don't want to um, make this a sore subject. And, you know, a lot of the success the Islanders, are, I think, are having is in due to your brother being a coach there for so long like that. Do you think it's tough uh, you know, for your, your, your brother to kind of you know, I mean, he's been busy, let's put it that way, but to see, uh, it's kind of like, hey, I helped build that team. I, I, I helped build that system or, you know, whatever. Well, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure that, you know, enters his mind, but I, I know that the type of, you know, type of guy my brother is that he's still close with a lot of those guys. And I think especially like Matt Martin and, and Casey Sezikis and all those, those guys that were just young when they were there, um, I, I think that obviously he's rooting for them and um, he wants to see all those guys win a cup if possible. So I, I don't think there's, you know, he had a good run there. I mean, you know, coaches are, are hired to be fired. Um, so I, and like I said, I, I think he'll, he'll get another chance and, and he's deserving another chance, but I don't think there's any ill will there. And I, I also think God snow did a tremendous job in, in drafting who he drafted. Um you know, he drafted Barzell. He drafted, I think, Mayfield. He drafted Sezikis. Uh, he drafted Bailey. I, I mean, go down the list. I mean, God Snow did a tremendous job in, in, in their scouting staff, at, you know, who they drafted. Oh, they did. Uh, take us a little bit to uh, uh, Tampa, a team that you played with Tampa, uh, their inaugural season. Tampa uh, seems they're doing well against Carolina. I don't know if you've been able to watch a little bit of the lightning play, but they, they uh, high scoring game last night or yesterday, but Tampa seems to have things well in hand. Yeah. I mean, two fantastic teams. I mean, I'm really impressed obviously with, with, with Tampa and I'll go back to them, but Carolina really, um, I grew up playing with and against Rod Brindamore and obviously the intensity he brings to that team um, is second to none. And you're going to get an honest effort for every one of those guys. And there's some talented guys on that, on that Carolina team, but I just think Tampa is so deep and I obviously I picked them to win it last year and I picked them again to win it this year. They're, they have, they have so much depth and, and they got, you know, their goaltender. So um, you know, Brendan Point, Gordy, Sorella. I mean, the list goes on at some of their bottom end guys that are just so good. And, you know, on a night where maybe it's a, a one nothing game or a two one game when Stamkos, Kucherov and, and um, Point are off the scoreboard, you know, they still win. Um, 
And obviously Hedman's, you know, tremendous, especially as big he is at the reach. And so Tampa just has, has so much going for it. And I think it's going to be troublesome for anybody to beat them probably other than Colorado. Yeah, I was going to mention Colorado. They, they've been impressive all season long. And uh, they're in a battle with Vegas, but it seems like they are the better team. And McKinnon is just skating around everybody. <laughs> yeah, that whole team. I mean, McKinnon, Linesburg, I mean, they got a, they got a wagon and they got a deep team. And, and, and I don't know how long until Cadre's back, but Cadre's, a, you know, if he can stay on the ice and play, yeah, he's a he's a huge, a huge. Um, he adds huge depth to that team. And that's what Tampa has. So, you know, and, and I'm not saying Vegas might not beat them because they have flurry and flurry can steal a series. But I just think Colorado with Kadri back creates the depth that someone needs to beat a Tampa Bay. So bring it back to the Bruins and then then I'll, um, we'll we'll recap here. Um uh, if the Bruins go down, Mislick or McAvoy gets hurt and has to miss a game or two, who can the Bruins bring up? Who could step in? I, I really don't know who they have. I know that, like I said, they have Studnicka, they have they have Fredericks, they have um, a couple other guys from Providence skating with them. But you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna bring up anybody that's gonna replace them, Jim. That's not gonna happen. You know, you might end up putting someone like DeBrusque up to the second line, maybe putting Hall up to that first line. Um, you know, those are the type of changes that would you would probably make. And then if you brought a Fredrickson or a Studnecker in, they'd be a you know a fourth line guy, probably getting you know eight nine minutes a, a game. So um, the whole team would just have to step up, and it's happened before. I mean, we've seen it before. Um, I just, I hate to see it happen. I just, I hope Marshant's okay. Obviously I hope, I hope Grizzlick's okay. And, and I hope the better team wins. Um, and I, and I, th- I just think it's been a hell of a series. I think you got two teams just, you know, battling out every night and they both play a very similar game and, um, they both compete at a very high level. And, uh, just a last question, Dave, and in your experience, Obviously, players will play hurt all the time, but even more in the playoffs. Um, what, what's been some of the stories that you have of being in the playoffs and some of your teammates being really hurt but still playing? Do you have any good stories? Well, I, I can't remember who it was when I was in Vancouver, but I think the first shot of the first game we were playing against L.A., I think, you know, somebody broke their hand. And – you know, they taped up their wrist and taped up their hand and obviously played the rest of the game. But, you know, there's, there's the other guy from the Bruins and I can't remember his name back years ago where I think he had a broken femur or a broken, uh, broken leg and continue to play the rest of the game. I mean, you hear these stories all the time, but you know, hockey players are just, you know, true warriors. And if they, if they're able to get back out there and play, they will. That said, you know, if you pull a groin and I don't know if you ever have Jim, but I had groin problems in high school and, and it's bad. There's just no way you can play. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, you break a finger, you break two fingers, you tape them together. You, and those, those type of things can be done. But if it's an injury where 
you just, it, it's an injury and, and, and you just can't play. You can't play. And, you know, you know, obviously I remember I, I had 30 stitches in practice the night before we were playing the game and got stitched up. And then the first shift of the next game, got a puck in the face, had another 40 stitches under my lip. <laughs> so I had like 70 stitches in my face, but I, you know, I, in between periods, I missed a couple shifts and I, but I went out for the second period. So you can, you can battle with those things, but you know, when I had a groin injury, a lot of times, especially in high school, you know, it was really hard to play, you know, high school, I could get away with it playing 70%, but college or in the NHL, you're not. So uh, recap for us, Dave, uh, I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, let's go top five things the Bruins need to do here in game five tomorrow night. Well, I think the, the first one, the point you made is, is good, you know, good breakouts. Get the, you know, the, the quicker they're out of the zone, the, the more they're playing in the Islander zone, the more the fans are on top of the game, the more momentum they have. Secondly, they need two lines. They need that two line secondary scoring. They need that top line obviously is going to create chances. That second line has to keep going and doing what they're doing. And if you chip in with some, you know, momentum play by that third line of coil, I think that's, that's a huge pot three. You got to win the, you got to win the goaltending and you got to win the timely saves Four, you got to be disciplined. You got to, you got to get more power plays than you're giving up. And I think, the fifth thing, and I'll go back to it, is is Taylor Hall got in a fight last night. Hasn't happened in a long time. I think that's going to – the Boston fans are going to be, you know, loving this guy even more. And I think that he's a guy that's definitely, you know, poises a problem for the Islanders with that second wave. If he can go out, score a goal, get an assist, you know, be involved that way, I think that, that um, it's really going to help on Boston's end. Dave, thank you so much for joining us again. And, and hopefully we'll, uh, we can get you on again here as the Bruins uh, continue to win. <laughs> yeah, let's hope they stay healthy. And, I, and I'd, be, I'd be glad to be back, Jim. Yeah, and let's um, maybe uh, since I am back from my travels, maybe we could uh, do a recap maybe in uh, uh, a game or two, maybe either Tuesday or uh, maybe a Thursday. Sounds good. Just let me know. All right, Dave. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, that'll be it for episode 29. Thank you guys very much, Dave. I'll say goodbye to you offline here. I'm just going to finish this up and I'll uh, wish everybody.